Let's do it, man. All right. Machination Log for April 26th, 2016. This is David Paddock. And in cyberspace across from me, I have Matt Smeda back for number two. Hello, David. <gasps> Hello, Matt. How's it been? It's been well. Um, you know, I can't really complain. Well, I could, but I'm just not going to. That's that's an honorable thing for you to do. <laughs> uh, you picked one of a handful of topics that you brainstormed coming in hot on this thing, and uh, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, so I, I brainstormed to put a list together one day while I was having some tea, and I looked back at that list a couple of days later after David uh, asked me to pick one of those things or just if we wanted to talk about all of them. But no, I wanted to hone in on this one topic, which is advice, giving and getting advice. I just want to talk about advice in general. Do you have an anecdote that brought that along? Is there uh, something in your life that sparked your anxiety about advice this week? Uh, I'm always I'm always thinking about advice to a certain extent. Like, I'm always trying to navigate, just like everybody else, trying to navigate the world, and part of navigating the world is learning from my mistakes, but also learning from other people's mistakes or what other people did well. Right. So, so that's, that's what advice means to me, at least one of the things that advice means to me. And in particular, um, one of the reasons that I was thinking about it more than usual recently was because I was enlisted at, at work to give advice to a high school student who is coming in who's thinking about pursuing the field that I'm currently pursuing. And they asked me to like sit down with him, show him, show him some of what I'm doing, and just talk to him about uh, about the field that I'm in. Now, in vague what, terms, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm I'm an actuary, or actually, you're not allowed to say that. But it's uh, the reason How I'm not that allowed on the to down say. Low? Well, the the reason that I'm not allowed to say that I'm an actuary is because I'm not credentialed yet, but. When when somebody outside the field asks me what I what I do for a living, it's so much less cumbersome to say that I'm an actuary than say, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm a student in training and I will eventually be an actuary. No, how so, far so just, from full on actuary are you? How many um, more certs do you need? Well, there's this process where you've got to take at least five of these exams and then go through some kind of. Uh, modules online and then you have to attend some seminar and then you get christened with some letters and at that point one can call themselves an actuary so Bad right now uh yeah right now i'm studying for the fifth of these five tests how far off are you do you think you'll think you'll have it by the end of next year maybe um, yeah, the goal is to have it by the end of this year. That's kind of an ambitious goal right now. Um, and also I wonder from time to time whether that goal is just stupid and whether I'll just go like pursue something else, like the next shiny thing. Um, but never mind that. Like right now I'm just thinking, let's, let's not think, let's just do it. <laughs> have you sought any advice from actual actuaries about whether or not that's <laughs> worth doing? Oh yeah. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today is you don't know what to tell this poor high school kid. <laughs> well, I I did give the advice to this poor high school kid who is 
just as confused as anybody else about how to how how to navigate like professional life um but he's he's at the very beginning and i presume or at least what i gathered from him is that he's got some pressure from his mom and dad particularly his dad to get this right to get this career thing right right out of the gate and yeah that's that's the goal like if if we can get it right right away then wonderful like that's that's a great way to be happy right that's that's Um, always the brutal thing about the the parental emphasis there is it's so well intentioned i mean the reason the parents want him to just get a career right out the gate is because that kind of security is extremely helpful for you know just stabilizing your life in general but the problem is it becomes it becomes a responsibility that and a burden that the kid has to bear um, right because, exactly because the parent can only be so responsible for getting them to where they need to be um, and that just that creates awkward pressure all around sure and i think that the pressure is actually counterproductive toward the goal in some cases so what i mean by that is if you've got this family pressure to go get it right right from the beginning then you might that might cause you to get it wrong and and the well-intentioned nature of their advice and the pressure that they're providing <laughs> providing um yeah. might might actually steer them in the wrong direction than if they had just like if they had just been left to their own devices to do whatever do you think this kid uh picked actuary or his parents picked it i got the sense that it was picked by his dad do you have any idea what his dad does for a living uh i forgot (laughs) (laughs) i i I know i know that he's not an actuary i think he was involved with some kind of uh software development but i i i don't know all right. Well, that's getting pretty far afield regardless. So yeah. what uh, sage what sage wisdom have you bestowed upon this 17-year-old? <laughs> well, the first thing... Okay, so there were a couple other people that had the responsibility um, of giving this guy some advice. His name is... Well, we're going to call him Jim. Um, <laughs> so... So Jim, Jim sat down with two other people before, before it was my turn. And he, Jim actually sat down at these, at the, at my coworkers' desks and like was asking them these questions. Um, and while they were doing that, I was kind of listening to and overhearing them just, and just sort of, uh, shaking my head at some of the, some of the things that my coworkers were saying. Well, not only that my coworkers were saying, but just the interaction in general. Just the yeah, what, what kind of advice are we talking about? Are we talking about specifically professional advice or social advice or uh more more professional advice there wasn't really the social and also i wasn't paying attention so much um i was more shaking my head just at the awkwardness of the situation that i detected (laughs) from them um but i was also trying to do some work um so i wasn't paying a whole lot of attention but I, i did note when they were having the conversation like like how how candid how real can this be if you're going to have this if you're going to have this interaction around everybody else at a cubicle so i reserved i reserved one of the conference rooms for when it was my turn to talk to jim um so anyway when it was my turn we walked over to this conference room and your question to me a moment ago was what sage advice did i give to this guy well <laughs> I, I opened up this conversation with something along the lines of, 
look, no one has a clue what they're doing, myself included. So, with that said, um, I'm going to give you some advice about what has worked for me so far, and I'll answer your questions that you have um, about like how I got to where I am. But this is just one data point out of very many paths that anyone could take, even that I could take. So who's to say that I've got it right? And who's to say that this is the best thing even for me or for anybody? So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Uh, if you were a high schooler walking into an office building and someone dragged you into a conference room and told you that no one has any idea what they're doing, would that have been comforting to you when you were in high school? <laughs> um, I, first of all, I wasn't trying to comfort the guy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just asking for the purpose of not even necessarily as a joke. I mean, is that oh, the kind sure. of thing that you kind of hoped the business world would be like? Um, I, I don't know. Um, and actually from, from a high school perspective, like I, if memory is such a fickle thing too, like I, I'm trying to think about my, my mindset 10 years ago and that's, that in itself is a difficult exercise to get right. I um, agree. That's, I, that's why I'm, I'm terribly curious what, especially given the, again, the, the crushing burden, the familial burden that this kid is probably under. I right. Mean, what what it means to hear that from someone right right trying to imagine it so so i i can imagine that that maybe what i said that grain of salt that i gave him could have been comforting um but he also could have perceived it as like oh great well, i'm just wasting my time talking to you then like what is this maybe that's it depends on his personality i would guess I mean, does yeah, he it, seem like he fits the uh, the stereotype of someone who does actuary work? Um, you you know, it was it was kind of hard to get that that sense from him. Um, he was pretty shy, so he he didn't really open up, and really the uh, most of the interaction that I got from him was just him asking his canned questions that he had written down on his on his legal pad. No. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So brought a legal so pad felt, with him. I mean, he sounds uh, he, like he's destined for some kind of career like that. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It may actually be a natural fit for him. But I mean, do you feel like that? Uh, do you regret telling him that, or does that seem like the best of both worlds as far as making sure that your humility <laughs> stays fully, uh, fully on display? And telling him what you have available to you. I mean, you're not, as you've said, as you've copped to, I guess, um, mm -hmm. you're not even a full actuary. So, I mean, him seeing you as an authority figure is a weird situation to begin with. Uh, so right. Guess... That was one of the re that was one of the reasons that I wanted to to caveat the whole discussion that we were about to have with with this, like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm only a, like like just under two years into this whole thing myself. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still just trying it on myself, I think. Right. Did um, you see anything in you, in him, uh, telling yourself two years ago? Uh, I'm trying to imagine where... I'm trying to imagine where you'd have to plug yourself into this equation for 
because uh, advice is very much a two-way street. It's like the um, it's like the the adage about the easiest way to teach yourself something is to teach someone else because it sure. makes sure that you actually understand what you're talking about. And advice, giving advice can absolutely be that same way because you have to, unless you're okay with just bullshitting, um, <laughs> you you want to feel like you know what what you're talking about and that you're saying things with some kind of authority. Um, I mean, uh, did you? you've talked about you've talked about your job a little bit on the podcast not a whole lot but did that um did having to give advice to someone who's going into this field make you um either self-conscious or overly reflective about it um yeah it made me think about my decisions a little bit more and and I think that was a good thing it's a good exercise to to pull up to a bird's eye view from time to time and just kind of watch yourself as you get through life so yes this did afford me the opportunity to 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 pull back and look at my path so far and you know i'm I, i'm okay with where i am right now i'm okay with this with trying this profession on am i fully committed to it yet no um <laughs> Again, like, well, the caveat there, I guess, is, I don't know, I, I think that I'm more hesitant to commit to anything than the average person, but uh, I don't know, maybe that's unrelated to this. Sure. And for what it's worth, it doesn't seem to be doing too much, it doesn't seem to be too, doing too much damage to you professionally. You're still, you you are currently doing training for certifications as part of that curriculum, so it's not like you're yeah. slacking off or anything. So yeah, that that's correct. Depends uh, on how you define commitment. I mean, you sound plenty committed <laughs> to the job. Well, well, I I do commitment in in bursts. So so right now, what I mean by that is I've decided like whether it's stupid or not to just do my best on this test, which is at the beginning of May, and then after the test is over, then I'll have the opportunity to to pull back and reevaluate once again. And doing doing this doing this um, reevaluation from time to time, I think, is important. But one of the things, that, one of the conclusions that I came to was, you cannot be constantly reevaluating. You cannot reevaluate your goals every single day, because if you're doing that, you're just wasting a lot of your mental capacity, your time, and attention on basically an exercise in futility. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I ran into that a couple of days in the last month where just deciding yeah. what to start on, which always ends up being problematic, um, you know, having to just write. I, I have a to-do list that is deliberately as simple as possible. It's just a list of things I want to do, and I scratch them off as I do them. And the reason I can't, the reason I can't make more sophisticated permutations of that that might actually be helpful for the purpose of organization is that the second you add any more layers to that or the second I add any more layers to that, it makes a mental gridlock that makes it that much harder to get started. And if you don't get started, there's no point in having the list in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have to trust, you have to be able to trust that you are capable of holding in your mind the little details that you want to write down on that pad. Cause if you're working on enough things at the same time that you can't remember or keep track of what you were actually doing or require more information than that, a, you should probably be 
writing it down somewhere else. But B, you may need to take a few things off of your plate. Um, you just overwhelmed. Yeah, it's and it's very easy to do that because, I mean, a to-do list, you can make them very, very long on accident and then realize that you've got 20 things you want to do and time to do 10 and you will never, ever manage to pick 10 things on that list in time to do all of them. So do you just end up prioritizing from the beginning? Do you prioritize like as you go? I, uh, it ebbs and flows. My, my scheduling process changes very, very regularly. What I try to do, um, with my to-do lists is I, I refresh the page on them cause I keep them in a little booklet and about mm-hmm. once a week I flip to the next page regardless of what's written on the thing so that I can refresh my mind and write down some new stuff. But I try to deliberately only write one or two things to do at any given time and try to scratch them off before proceeding. Uh, cause that, mm-hmm. that obviously that gives you the lowest amount of downtime, but suppose four or five things come into your head or maybe they're little things. So you write them all down. As long as you stay on top of them, it's fine. But that gets really hard after three or four days of letting something sit on that list. You get used to it being there and you're you're mm-hmm. almost just skipping over it deliberately because you had an excuse the first time you skipped over it. So you just keep skipping that task and you may as well erase it at that point. Um, sure, sure. But you can't, you can't convince what... yourself to do that because you wanted to do it. It and, becomes like this aspirational thing at that point because yeah. like you, you can't, you, you just want to let it sit there, but you're not even looking at it anymore. Yeah. But, like <laughs> but you're not getting rid of it either. You're like the laundry, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking about, I'm thinking about musical instruments. So like, like right now in my, uh, in my studio here, which is actually in my car, I've got my ukulele just sitting here and it's totally out of tune and it hasn't been in tune in at least two weeks. So what are you going to do about that, Matt? <laughs> Should probably do something about that. But no, all my time right now needs to go to this test. I either need to be sleeping, eating, or studying for this test, or else I'm a failure as a person. Yeah, that's that's the worst. That's kept me off the piano for the last couple of months. Because in order, I, you don't have, I don't have to tune my piano. It's electric. But I need right. to sit down for four hours to warm my hands back up before I have sure. any amount of technical facility. And I just can't compel myself to do that. And it sucks because I like playing the piano a lot. So, so does that four hours become, is it like a linear degrading of your ability or is it just like, is it going to take four hours now or four hours late, like next month or what? Um, It probably wouldn't take any more than four. I'm, I've been playing the piano for so long that, I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm probably as bad right now as I'm going to be for because I again I haven't played the thing in months so yeah it, it, there's there's sort of an exponential decay to it and I've mostly most of the drop off in mechanical facility has already happened and I can only yeah. get so much crappier um, sure before you know when I dig dig myself out but even you know four hours is still a long time when you try to get a lot of oh, stuff yeah. done in one day. I, I didn't I didn't mean to to minimize that four hours is like a big hump to get back over now. No, that's fine. It's yeah, it, no. It, but to answer your question, no, I don't think it's linear. I think the drop off if you don't play for about a month, that's probably the the largest deterioration is probably one to two months. And then you have to you got to dig yourself back out of the hole. 
But any more after that, you're just dusting yourself off. And as long as you didn't accidentally do something awful to your hands in the meantime, it's pretty okay <laughs> from there. I understand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know about this kind of thing because I have never really developed any kind of, uh, of musical talent just yet. Not even on the trombone. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I guess there was that thing a little while ago, but um i.e. more than a decade ago. Yeah. Um but but yeah, yeah. I won't bring it up ever again if you don't, so don't worry <laughs> about it. Um speaking of bringing things up, I wanted to go back to something that we were talking about with this guy Jim a little while ago. Sure. So so you brought up this point about like, okay, now now that I'm in this position of giving advice, I'm, and not only am I in this position, but it was actually part of my job duties that one day. So I've got to like, I've got to do it. I've got to commit to this. Right. So, so I'm under pressure at that point to be able to say compelling things, to be able to give this advice. Like, so, so it's in, it's in my best interest to know what I'm talking about. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, at least sound like I know what I'm talking about so that I can give good advice. And and I'm defining good as like something that has confidence behind it. <laughs> whether whether or not there's any actual substance, any actual good advice there, uh that's beside the point. It's you just got to sound good saying it. Right, it's all about the performance. That's that's what so many things in life is. It's it's all appearances. Um, so so anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna contrast me in the advice giving role with me in the advice receiving role. So I asked I asked somebody um, who's in a more senior role than me, like, hey, can we go get lunch and just talk about how I'm feeling about my career? Um, so we did that. Um, I guess, I guess this will be, this will be Frank who I went to lunch with and Frank, like I had the impression from, from some talk that he gave and just like seeing, seeing him around the office and, you know, kind of listening to him, listening to him on the phone when his office is open and things like this, like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he, he seems to be like pretty passionate, pretty happy about his career. Like I want that. That's what I'm aiming for right now. Cause, cause right now I do, um, he's gotta be in his late thirties, early forties. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm in my late twenties right now. Um, so anyway, so f did I call him Frank? Anyway, Frank, Yes. we went out, we went out to lunch and I, I asked him a couple of like, like kind of probing questions to see like, like, is he really into this? Is, is my impression of him accurate? And I got the sense that, that no, he, he is like, like this is more just about the money than I originally saw from him. I thought it was like, like he developed this passion for the work um, but no, that wasn't so accurate. And he was giving me, so, so that was kind of, that was kind of disheartening. I was like, oh crap, like, like I can keep trying, but at the end of the day, like I might end up like Frank and just kind of look passionate about it, but not actually feel it. I mean, for what it's um, worth, there's a bit of a stereotype that most forms of statistical office work are 
are definitely money roles, accounting, actuarial, science, that kind of stuff. Sure. They have, sure. they are known for that. I'm not saying that's universal. I'm sure there are some accountants that love their work, but uh, that certainly yeah. seems to be from the outside what people say about it. Yeah, yeah. And and that's sad. I, you know, I do I do want to love my work, right? Um one of one of the things on my on my um I I have this cover photo on my Facebook page right now. It's like it's it's the rules of being me or something like that. And one of those rules that I try to try to follow is um it doesn't like passion doesn't necessarily matter if it's not going to pay and rather what what you should do is try to try to develop a passion for something that pays um i got this from cal newport in case any of the listeners are familiar with him um so so frank this guy who's giving me advice like i wanted to i i saw him as a guy who didn't necessarily have this passion to begin with but developed it but when talking with him i i got the sense more of well i still i frank still don't really have the passion but this is something that pays the bills yeah he developed the salary That's yeah uh, yeah the other side of yeah. professional development uh-huh. does he have something he does i mean does does he just describe to the the european work style he does he do what he loves to do on the weekend with the money he makes during the weekday um, we didn't talk so much about his personal life, so I don't, I don't really know. Um, okay. I, I did hear him get on the phone the other day with, with people who were going to deliver a pool table to his house. So I guess he plays pool at his house. Or he does now anyway. <laughs> right. Or, 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 or he has a pool table at his house. <laughs> he doesn't use it though. So what does your future entail now that uh, frank laid out this harsh truth on you well he he gave me some advice and was like you at least have to get your asa that's that's the credential that i'm shooting for right now the associate of the society of actuaries the asa um you at least got to have that as a backup plan and that was his advice to me but i wonder like even though that advice is well-intentioned is getting the credential a smart move like for example um, if I do keep this as a backup plan, get the ASA and then maybe go pursue something else, pursue a field that I actually feel a little bit more excited about right from the beginning, then will having the ASA, the credential, make me feel like like I'm going to put this backup plan into action? And will it be like a comfort, a comfort zone that I can fall back into? Yeah. Or will, have... like, will it become a dangerous safe space? Right, may, exactly. Uh, or, or alternatively, would it be better to not have the ASA so that I can really throw myself at a different kind of profession? Like, screw actuary, I'm getting out of there. I'm going to go try something else. And guess what? Now you can't go back because you don't have the credential. And if you try to go back, anyone who, who interviews with you is going to be like, what? You dropped out before you had the credential? No, we, we can't take you back. So that would effectively shut that door for me. But maybe that could be the best thing for me. Yeah. No, that's a that's an absolutely brutal that's that's what you just said there is at the heart of the paradox of choice where yeah. it, where I mean it does make 
a lot of practical proximate sense for you to have that certification because it would allow you, I mean, it would allow you to do what I essentially do in slightly varied circumstances where I use my, I use my work to bankroll what I like doing on the side in the event that something I do on the side finally takes off and becomes profitable, I can pursue it. Uh, but the mm-hmm. ASA is a little more insidious than that because getting the ASA itself is wouldn't be the goal. It would you would need to have an actuary position to justify the certification. So it ends up being a little it ends up being a little more insidious to just get it for no reason. Right, right, and, and actually, actually, too, like once you've gotten the credential, now, now you feel like it's harder to ignore that sunk cost thing, which I try yeah. to ignore. Absolutely, and it's like holy, holy crap! Like now, now, oh man, I spent all that time like getting that credential. Better stay with that field, and, and meanwhile, I'm like I'm ten years down the road, and I'm still like like you were talking about before in this kind of profession that is probably biased toward less satisfaction than some other professions. Actually, I don't know if that's fair that I say something like that. I, I, I It just don't depends on to... who you are. depends on how much yeah. money you need. It depends on how much you can tolerate from 9 to 5. I, there's a lot of variables that go into it. I don't think sure. I could do that kind of job. I don't, I don't know that I would be a good fit for something like that. But I absolutely know people who are – people who are – People who regularly have things they do recreationally on work work nights and weekends, like I can totally see a job like that being fine for people like that. I'm not one of them, though. I couldn't do that. I don't know if it's fine for me either. Well, you're going to find out the uh, inevitable <laughs> way from the sounds of it. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're all hurtling through life hurtling through time right now and trying to figure it out and like like i said i'm still i'm still in this uh, i'm still in this phase of trying to figure it out and trying this profession on maybe it won't work maybe it will um but but i'm i'm getting something out of it i suppose yeah i you're I mean, uh, presumably you're accruing some kind, maybe not uh, frank dollars, but uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of dead ends you could be in that are less lucrative, I would assume. So, sure. if, if nothing sure. else, there's certainly there's a half there's a cup half full story in here. It's just we mm-hmm. got to keep making sure that you don't uh, accidentally walk into work one day at the age of forty five, forgetting suddenly realizing that uh, everything. turned at one point and you just didn't notice but uh we'll do what we can to make sure that doesn't happen Uh, thank you for that we've got we've got a little security for me there yeah (laughs) well whatever whatever can be provided we're not a proven service by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) but i'm a psychologist not a therapist so yeah yeah I understand the limitations here. I'm also not a psychologist. That's not technically true. I'm just a <laughs> psychology major. So, Right, right. Kind of, kind of like how I was never a physicist. <laughs> what did you end up graduating in? Um, yeah, I got the bachelor's in physics. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I just call yourself a physicist. It's no big deal. Sure. It's like all the engineers that aren't even graduated that call themselves engineers because they're in that major. Uh Uh-huh. 
Uh, one person, the other day I was walking through the library and this guy who, who didn't have much of a filter just like asked me, so are you a businessman? Like w- we had briefly talked a little while, <laughs> a little while prior to that. And then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. And then I was walking through the library. I saw him in a different spot. I, I, I didn't stop. I was just walking. And the guy was like, so are you some kind of businessman? And I'm like, what? who said that? Oh, oh, it's you. Um, <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, well, that. So he was asking me about my job, right? Right. And I was like, well, that's that's not really what defines me as a person. And I'm glad that was my first response. Like uh, over the last couple of years, um, when I got this job, I was I was like proud to have the job to be a working man. Like, oh, I'm an actuary or actuarial student, or whatever. I'm an actuary sure. now. You were um, employed in that profession. Right, right. But but more recently, I've I've kind of gotten away from that, gotten away from defining myself as as what my profession is, um, because we humans are so much more than just just our jobs. Like certainly like to hope that that's still possible. Yeah, that's yeah, that's always the uh, what is the the joke. What do you do? Everyone always says who they work for when you ask them what they yeah. do as if that's all they do. Uh-huh. And yeah. It's, it's kind of brutal, but again, we just have to make sure that we, we do checkups to make sure you don't accidentally fall back in that trap. And, uh, you can keep me honest on that as well. It's half the purpose of having a podcast like this is to oh, make absolutely. sure that I keep doing things that are worth talking about because work's not worth talking about. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, we will keep talking about that. But but yeah, maybe this is even part of part of the advice that society gives us. It's like that's that's the script that we're all following. Like, oh, what do you do? So you answer by saying what your profession is. Yeah. And that in itself is a form of advice, I suppose. It's like what? What do you do? Oh, you're supposed to answer now what your profession is. And the the advice implicit in that is you've got to keep having the job. <laughs> like like you you're only a success, you're only a successful person, you only matter if if you can answer the question. Yeah. Like one of the first questions that crops up during conversation because and, and maybe maybe especially for males, I don't know, I don't want to make this a sexist thing, but the males have got to be providers. So it's like, oh, what does the male, what does the guy do? It's like, if he's, if he's got the prestigious title, then he's like, he's one of those guys worth, um, ha- worth reproducing with. Um, <laughs> I, I'd be curious uh, if, uh, I'd be curious if women get the, what do you do question more often now? I assume they do now that, that's, Oh yeah. Without, now without that that's a doubt, a that's gotta be the quo. case. Sure, sure, and yeah. and we're moving toward toward a more. So they've they've more... been sucked into the Dilbert black hole with us, so. <laughs> right? Right, and it sucks too. It's like, oh, we uh, equality, like we're we're all gonna have jobs now. No, don't do that. It kind of <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> that's yeah. That's an old George Carlin joke. It's like, is all the aspiration of women to be as debased and degraded as men <laughs> like is that really what you're striving for you want what congratulations <laughs> oh boy yeah it's not all bad there's there's more money in it sure but uh a lot of it is 
a lot of it is baggage you'd rather not take along if you don't have to. But uh-huh. and, but you know, to some degree, the my biggest problem with the what do you do question being with uh, it, my problem with the response being what you do for work is that it just means that what people do for work and what they would rather be doing with their time are not aligned anymore a lot of the time. Sure. That's that's more frustrating to me. I I mean, if I did what I was passionate about at work, I'd have no problem answering that question in the way that society has structured the question. But that's that's just not the case right now. And for some people it is. And those people have it quite well. And that's kind of what you got to strive for. But it's it's challenging because you also want money and uh, not every profession pays very well. So that's correct. Yeah. Kind of got to balance that. Got to balance the. So, so like when you ask some of these people the question, what do you do? And they don't light up and start talking about their stuff like then then, you know, you're dealing with. With one of of many people who are not totally resonant with with what they're working on. But that's that's the way it is. Yeah, I actually got asked that question. I'm trying to remember where it was. Someone actually did ask me what I do. Oh, it's actually um, is the Craigslist guy asked me what I do. Oh, and you're selling your subwoofer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyone, anyone who's listened to that, you got to listen to da- to David talk about. <laughs> you've got to listen to David talk about his Craigslist sale of his subwoofer. It is excellent. I, Go look for it. Yeah, that's that's basically how every informal money based transaction works with me. <laughs> I just I can't. It's an adventure every time. It has to be built yeah. into the cost that it's. It's going to cause some <laughs> amount of heartache. Oh, man. Every detail of that is... Not, it's it's not actually the whole truth, because the whole truth contains even more neurosis than is documented there, but it is nothing but the truth. <laughs> oh, I, nev- I never doubted it. Do you sell stuff on Craigslist? I've sold a couple things on Craigslist. Um... Let's see. Have you ever had a panic attack over it? No, no, I was on I was actually on the opposite side of the spectrum of you. Like I I I didn't really didn't really cross my mind so much like what what these crazies could do. It's like I just I for some reason I just trusted these people. Well, Maybe I shouldn't have. I mean, statistically speaking, that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, it's Sure, sure. Uh, there's no there's no particular reason. I, there's nothing to justify the way that I was behaving in my head at the time of transaction or before, frankly, but that's, uh, that's just how it works. So my advice to you, Matt, is to keep doing what you're doing on that front. So I'm just going to keep trucking along with statistics. You see, actually, actually I sold a vehicle on Craigslist one time Uh and after, after he, uh, after he test drove it, um, and we started like negotiating, uh, by the way, I, I love negotiating. Um, so, so I like, I kind of stonewalled him there. Just like, he gives me all these reasons that the, the bike needs to be sold for like less money. And I'm like, no, sorry. Like, like I'm not coming down. Oh, um, when you said stonewalled, re- I just kind of hoped that you just stared at him and didn't say anything <laughs> while he was giving his excuses. Um, no, not quite that bad. Um, I, I guess I got to go 
into the dictionary later and like really refine my definition of Stonewall. Um, but anyway, uh, that, that may not be that. That's probably not the actual. That's that's pretty brazen behavior to just literally not say anything and scare the guy. So, but but what I did so so he he like brought his family with him and I asked him early on in the process. So like, so how far do you drive? And he drove a pretty good distance to get out to me. So I knew, like, I had that going for me during the negotiation got process. Him. Yeah, got him. So so like he. He ended up leaving, and I was like, I was comfortable with that because it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not in a rush to sell this motorcycle right now, so I can do this. And then later on, he called me back, like maybe 30 minutes later, and was like, hey, I think I'm gonna come back there. Like, how's how's price plus 250 dollars sound? I was like, that sounds good. Let's do it. Um, but anyway, like here, here's here's the part I wanted to get to. So when we went into my kitchen to like to sign the title over and stuff like that and like do the cash deal um the guy was like he said something along the lines of i don't want you to try anything funny right now because i got my piece on me and i was like oh you're not gonna need that that's fine um and i really like i didn't i didn't get freaked out at all i was like it didn't it didn't really even register with me like maybe i'm an idiot for this like oh this this dude's like talking about his gun right now but it didn't oh, even register at that point it didn't even register so we just like we we did the deal and he like rolled off into the sunset and i was standing there in my living room with no gunshot wounds that's yep that's how you always hope it ends <laughs> <laughs> yep that's, that's how so it worked. great he literally he told you he was packing Oh yeah, that's he probably <laughs> wasn't, but that's uh, I, I can't know. imagine maybe, if you actually had a gun. I cannot imagine why you would disclose that information. Sure, sure. So he probably wasn't. He probably didn't actually have anything with him. But that's even that's almost crazier to think that he wasn't <laughs> armed and then told you he was armed, like so that he had that leverage in his right. corner. Oh, that's mm-hmm. silly. That's really so. Sad. How do we tie? How do we tie this back to advice? Like, um, oh, so, I thought we already did. Trust Matt's version of intuition about Craigslist because <laughs> mine is not. Mine is not good. It's all based on statistics. Yes, just like everything. <laughs> yeah. Hopes, fears. Well, 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 no. Like some some things are totally based on emotion. I'm, I'm talking specifically about decision making processes right now. I mean, sure. I was, I was being slightly cynical by saying hopes and fears, but uh, I guess oh. if we want to take this into the realm of touchy feely stuff, like <laughs> what you want to do, can bring right. emotion into this. Yeah, so, that, that nonsense. It's a dangerous. It's a dangerous road to take. I don't know how much emotion comes into uh, what you got going on normally. Oh, dude, I, I got rid of emotion years ago. Good man. Good yeah, man. no, I, I, I don't have any emotion anymore. Like, like maybe three or four years ago, just totally dropped out, became a robot. Yep. Yeah, highly recommended. Oh, it feels um, so much that, better. You just full on Right, machine. right, right. Feel, feeling nothing feels much better. It's kind of, it doesn't really make sense to say it, but like there are no words to really describe this, this situation. This state, yeah, no, you just got You have to take our word for it on this one. It's uh, correct. It's the way to go. Yes, but, uh, being robotic. 
I'm really tempted to just end with that silence right there. <laughs> I'm really tempted to do that. <laughs> you could. Um, I have. Uh, I have a. I have a favorite video blogger that uh, just kind of ends his episodes pretty abruptly, and he he says, like when giving tips, giving advice for how how to shoot vlogs, he's like one of my one of my pieces of advice for you is just ended abruptly. And then it's done. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> I, I can get into that. It's, I've mostly cut out the intro and the outro on these things to the extent that yeah. I can, because people want to roll into the next video. You don't want, you don't need too much pomp and circumstance on that. Sure. They got more content to consume. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You bringing video blog back, or are you uh, fully invested in getting this ASA certification? Um, uh, you you know I've I've got to do other stuff. I mean, lately I have not just been studying all the time. Like, like I've been on a reading kick lately too. I've got a big pile of books. Um. But but am I working on anything creative right now? Like that's that's my one creative outlet right now, which is the uh, the video thing. I do have some footage, but just just too lazy to put anything together. How what what kind of footage you got, or is that uh, is that spoilers territory? Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's. That's going a little too far. I can't. I can't spoil it. Keep that close to the vest. I can respect yeah. that. Yeah. I've thrown out so much video footage over the last month. <laughs> I didn't want to put together. I don't even want to talk about it. It's infuriating. So. Oh my god. It's video is so much not as much fun as audio. Audio is so much easier. Once you Why get the think... startup costs dealt with. Once you oh, once sure. you get the setup, it's everything from there's gravy. Why do you think that is? Um, I, I'm not as worried about editing this as I am the videos. Uh, I see. I, I feel like that's. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. I mean, there's there's just so much you can do to a video, and there's only so much you can do to the audio. I mean, with the podcast, I could be, I could stitch more um, background sounds and music into it. I could do a couple things. I could actually bother to edit out people's pauses and, you know, generally clean the thing up so that we don't sound like idiots with dead air all the time. But I don't, <laughs> I don't really care about that. Like the conversations flow well enough. I write down a couple of spots where maybe it makes sense to take a look at stuff. And then I generally don't even take a look at it and I just hit go. I have this down to a science at this point, uh, oh, which so was cut. So on Sorry. on your note on your notebook there, do you have do you like write down um, timestamps and like quick little yeah. notes about what should happen? Oh, that's cool. That really streamlines the process. Oh, dramatically. Well, it's it's essentially every time there's either an awkward pause or someone stumbles over their words in a weird way, I'll just write it down and I'll sure. review that spot to see if it makes sense to edit it or not. And it generally doesn't because when you're in the moment, a lot of mistakes feel more dramatic than they actually come off. So yeah. with a little bit of distance, you look back on it, it's like, eh, whatever, you know, trim half a second off this pause just for fun. Cause I'm already here and move on. But it, it takes almost no time. My, I've 
uh, yeah, the the podcast thing, I can I can get these things up pretty quick now, which is good because I'm trying to do them every day. Although I think I think after the pause I had, um, after going through my 77 hour work week that <laughs> took place in three and a half days, oh I may God. start only. I may do these five days a week, um, yeah. just so that I have two days off. Because I mean, I admire that one guy who blogged every single day but writing is even easier than getting up here and trying to think of something interesting to say i mean i can write something writing something that feels interesting people give you a lot more leeway when you write because they can skim it with audio if it drags too much people turn it off and that's yeah and that's ain't got no time for that yeah it's a little it's a little tough. It's a little daunting. I'm willing to give it a shot though. I'm I don't sure. want to go below 5 a week cuz I like having I like having this on a regular basis just to keep me on my toes and it makes sure that I continue to keep in contact with people that I otherwise know for a fact that I would forget to keep in contact with. Um, I think it's a really great project and and I definitely admire the effort that you're putting into it. I'm not going to stop. I, it has been a tremendously powerful. I mean, if I've had one of my friends to a rather obnoxious degree describe it as utilitarian or mechanizing friendship, but it's absolutely a tool for facilitating it because it forces me to think about it more often. And it keeps me sure. in touch with people like you who I, I, I just I constantly because you don't live here. I constantly forget that you exist. It's just uh, the nature of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, This makes yeah, that, me think about people that I would otherwise forget about. That's, um, that's how it works. And your friend who used the term mechanize, so like I'm, I'm comparing that with, with how people use the word manipulation for, for, yes. like so, for social things. Well, guess what? Every single thing we do is manipulation, right? It's it's like yeah. when I t- when I talk, I'm making something happen in your brain. At least, hopefully, if you're not a vegetable, <laughs> and that's that's isn't that the definition of manipulation? Oh well, n- no, manipulation is something like like, like more. No, You've... everything is manipulation. Yeah. No, I have <laughs> no problem with it. I I'm perfectly fine. Not only admitting that. I wouldn't think of you as often as I do, Matt, but uh, that this podcast is a perfectly healthy way to make sure that I keep doing so because yeah. it's a loss not to have it. Right, correct. And, and, and also another good thing about your podcasts is like you're going to have conversations with people who even, even people who you wouldn't forget about, but but when you put a theme in there or like organize something you're like hey let's talk about let's talk about how the diet's working out now yeah. now you've got you you guys can think about this ahead of time and they can go into it or or you've got some kind of accountability there and boom you just you just made something that you wouldn't have had otherwise so yeah whether it makes it's conversation it's, more interesting I mean, correct and yeah i mean it's not that people's conversations are generally boring but they don't tend to be content dense and on top of that, there are recordings of them. So if mm-hmm. someone says something worth saying, you know, it's here now. That's right. I, I see no, I see all upside to this. No matter how many people are listening to it, which uh, you know, the number, the number of subscribers to this thing has never really floated more than a hundred, hundred and fifty, and that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't think that's what it's about. For, for all the upsides that you mentioned, other than like than any kind of audience, like I think I think that it's a great project. Yeah, no, it's it's worth it for its own sake. Yeah. Well, Matt, you got any other uh, advice you want to share or talk about? Uh, take all the advice that you get from anybody with a grain <clears throat> of salt, because no one knows what they're doing. I can get behind that. Oh, wait, wait. Number two, bonus, more advice. <clears throat> the best advice is your own advice to yourself. And the reason I, I say that is because the reason I say that is because on, only you know what's going to make you tick and only you have digested all these other pieces of advice that people are giving you and it's up to you to to make something out of that and it's up to you to really advise yourself and it's up to you to take action on these pieces of advice you, that you've received and make your own advice out of everything because out there there's in fact, there are contradictory pieces of advice, like like 180 degrees different to to how you should behave in some situations. Like some people out there, for example, are saying go to college. Other people are like college is the worst thing you can do. Well, guess what? Like college worked for some people and college didn't work for other people. And neither piece of advice is wrong. It's up to each individual to take all the advice that they're getting and then process it and then give themselves their own advice. And that I think is the most important part of it. Amen. No, without, without a doubt, you have to, you have to tell yourself you shouldn't, it's not that you shouldn't follow the advice of other people. It's that you can't without internalizing it. You have to convince yourself. Um, and that's not as hard as you probably think it is. It's just a lot of the time, especially when it comes to things you care about, it's hard to convince yourself to actually act in such a way that um, you don't want to feel like you have to care because right. caring is so 19th century. It's um, <laughs> And it, it really is. I mean, Too there's, cool there's for a degree caring. of emotional vulnerability to caring that we right. just societally hate on uh and thankfully some of that's going away and i hope to be part of the vanguard that makes that happen because yeah i really don't like when people don't care about what they do um yeah it bothers me a lot but uh so thankfully bringing it uh, back man bringing back caring yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while it's been it's been a hundred years since the age of anxiety and all this stuff got kicked off, so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, yeah, no, World War One got kicked off more, it's like the anniversary of uh, World War One's going on right now, isn't it? Right. It's 1915. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, we're in the final death throes of uh, earnest conversation back in the 15s. That's getting mm -hmm. way off topic, though, so. Um, <laughs> Matt? It's good talking to you again. Hey, likewise, David. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. We'll have you back on in a month, probably, to assess what the hell's going on here or sooner if you have something you want to talk about. I, I actually, one of the topics Matt had on his list that I really liked was uh, being left-handed. The problem <laughs> with that one is that I don't know if I have enough couch space 
for all of my friends that are left-handed. Uh, I don't know how I managed to wrangle them, but I must have been friends with literally every uh, sinistrous person in my uh, in my primary school days because yeah, all yeah. my we, friends we, are left-handed. This happens. We we tend we tend to attract one another. I I have no idea why that happens. But, uh, <laughs> sharing the scissors or something. All right. Yeah, that sounds Hitting good. Up on the on the hour mark here. Uh, Matt, thanks for being on the Machination Log. Thanks again, David. Good morning, everybody. <laughs>